Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Oh, this is good. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Hmm. Can't place it. Is it root beer? I mean, are you guys playing with me, toying with me here? Should I tell them? It, no, not yet. It's spicy. Is it spicy? That, that kind of like a weird sweet. How many have you had today? Mm. Yeah. That's not important. <laughs> one. We only do one. Uh, right. Okay. I sip. I only sip like, you know, maybe a third of it. Actually, you, you need a straw for that beer. <laughs> you do need a straw for that beer. Probably do. That's probably why I like it. That's a good beer. I don't want to bag on that beer. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Okay, so Jason and Jason uh, here in studio today. The we, last podcast of the year. Yeah. Well, we had to keep it here because travel budget dried up. <laughs> it did. <laughs> we can barely afford the two beers we're having today as we talk about NAFTA. What are you drinking? I'm having the uh, Nito Bendito, appropriately named for this conversation. This is by Deep Ellum Brewing Company okay. in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Taylor, our producer, picked mine and put a koozie around it. I know it It has to be, I'm assuming that mine's Canadian because yours is Nito Bendito. It's close. It's as far north as we could get without crossing the border. Tastes kind of like a cider or something. What is this? I can't even Line and Kugel. Line and Kugel's Cranberry Ginger Shandy. I like this. It's, what is it, Minnesota, Wisconsin? It's Wisconsin. Okay. It's Wisconsin, I believe. I bet they do a lot of cross-border traffic there for uh, NAFTA, which will now be called the USMCA. Okay, so while we're having one here, maybe you're joining us there at home, uh, let's do some trivia, okay? This is trade trivia, everybody's favorite. Everyone knows this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So if you had to guess the three biggest ports in the United States for trade volume uh, in, in terms of dollars, just going back and forth, cargo here, lots of cargo, which three do you choose? I'd say Long Beach, California. They're in L.A. It's a good Definitely. Mm-hmm. Houston, I live there. Port of Houston's probably huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd say East Coast, Miami, New York, maybe somewhere in between. Okay. Uh, so you, you've got some of it there. Uh, traditionally, in the past several years, it's been L.A. and New York. And then third is none of the other ones you were talking about. It's Laredo, Texas. Really? Laredo, Texas. Dusty uh, Laredo. Not so dusty and not so small anymore either. So, and, and for a time earlier this year, Laredo leapfrogged the other two and was the number one busiest port in the United States. And that is because of that thing called NAFTA which is the North American Free Trade Agreement, been around for about a quarter of a century now. And, uh, you know, it's been renegotiated now, and it's now called the USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, okay? So, uh, you know, President Trump, when he was coming into office, said that NAFTA was, quote, the, the worst trade deal ever made. Uh, and there was a lot of fear in this state that he was just going to rip up NAFTA without something in place to replace it. NAFTA touches a lot of jobs and a lot of parts of the economy here in Texas. It may touch your job, and you have no idea that it does. And and these trade agreements are a huge deal because they essentially remove tariffs. Mm -hmm. 
and make sure that Canada and Mexico and the United States are all in the same playing field, essentially, for, for labor, for wages, um, and we can trade freely. That's why it's such a huge deal. President Reagan, when he was in office, wanted to make this uh, you know, a North American trade block, essentially, to compete with Asia and to, com- to compete with uh, Europe. And that's what he has essentially created all these years later. Mm-hmm. NAFTA has kind of run its course. Now it's USMCA. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people hate these trade agreements because they think it costs a lot of jobs here in the United States. Uh, but, you know, here we are set to go again. And it has its huge proponents, too, on both sides of the aisle. So we wanted to get on the ground with this. Uh, and since Laredo is a, a linchpin to trade in this country, what better place to start than heading down to the border? Uh, so we're giving a call to uh, the IBC Bank down there, which does a ton of business. A guy named Jerry Schwebel, and uh, he knows what's going on here. He's watching the money and the cargo. Thank you for calling IBC. How may I direct your call? Uh, I'm looking for Patty in Mr. Schwebel's office, please. Can I help you? Yes. Hey, Patty. This is Jason Wheeler from WFAA calling for Mr. Schwebel. Okay. Let me transfer you. Thanks. It's trade, man. That's exactly what I was thinking. Commerce. Hi, this is Jerry Schwebel. Hey there, Jerry. This is uh, Jason Wheeler. Hey, Jerry. Hi. Uh, two Jasons, back to back. Huh? We're easy to remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. How, How are, are you? Jerry. <laughs> two Jasons and a Jerry. What a, what a team. Tell me what the last months have been like uh, in, in, in your position? Because I would imagine there's probably been a lot of uh, deep breaths and people holding their breath wanting to know what's going to happen here. Well, absolutely. We've been, we've been working uh, uh, with a high degree of uncertainty because we live it. We see it every day. I can, I'm in my office right now and I-35 begins and ends here in Laredo, Texas. Then there's a rail line. Kansas City Southern Rail Line is right right next door to me. So I see rail and I see trucks and I see cars and people. So we've we have seen the benefits of uh, of, of what good and secure trade uh, is all about. How big of a deal is this? It's a major deal, especially for Texas. Uh, you know, many many folks may think it just benefits the border, but really, uh, for Texas, it's even more important because Mexico is the number one trading partner. Uh, for Texas. So it's, uh, it, it, it boils down to jobs. It boils down to a strong economy uh, and, and protecting those sectors of our, of our country and of our state, uh, but allowing us to work with, with, uh, with the strengths of our three countries together uh, in order to make us more competitive. And at the end of the day, also to allow the consumer to be the ultimate beneficiary. Jerry, break it down for us. What does this new deal do for Texas jobs, for the Texas economy? It's not just a matter of of, of what we do and we export, but what we import. For cities, you know, and and I think it's important to do a snapshot of what, what perhaps Texas looked like prior to 1993 when NAFTA went into effect. And 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 25 years, we've enjoyed you know with a couple of a few years of relative exceptions, you know, a, a, a booming economy in a city like where I am, Laredo, Texas, it's an important port. You know, prior to 1993, we had double-digit unemployment rates. One out of two kids were dropping out of school in the ninth grade. NAFTA has allowed us to 
to strengthen our economy, create jobs where we have single digits, less than 4% unemployment rate. You know, we've got great programs here. It really, you know, vitalized our economy. Yes, the changes of NAFTA, you know, may have been painful in other parts of the country. Uh, but for Texas, it, it became a, a major impetus of growth and, 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 I guess, envy for the entire country for Texas as well. Jerry, just for perspective, you guys are a $12 billion bank. Where would you right. be without a NAFTA? We, we said that, as a real result, our NAFTA, our bank has grown, you know, 10 times. Uh, I, when, in 1993, we were just you know, reaching the, the $1 billion mark, and we were excited about reaching $1 billion. Golly. You know, here we are today, $12 billion. What does this new agreement mean to you personally? Is it more, more businesses coming in for loans or what? The community bank, small to medium enterprises, small to medium businesses are the lifeblood of our economy. These are small businessmen and women that have either one or two trucks that haul goods uh, back and forth, to, to, to restaurants, to service providers, importers, exporters, custom brokers, everybody involved in the trade industry, of which for Texas it's a major, one of its major employers. It means it really, you know, those businesses will continue to thrive and grow, and we community banks are there to support them because as they grow, we grow as banks. There's a decent chance, I guess, that as I'm walking around, something that I'm wearing, something that I'm eating, the car that I'm driving, and how much all of those things cost me uh, may be touched by NAFTA before and USMCA right now, even if I don't know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I like to use the analogy that 25 years ago, Amazon was a river of Brazil, uh, <laughs> Apple was a fruit, you know, and uh, so you, you, take, you take Google as something we used to scribble. So mm -hmm. times of 25 years is nothing. So when we take the new elements that, that, we're, that, we're, that we're living in today, even with this new agreement, you know, we're incorporating into an existing agreement, an improved agreement, an updated agreement, where you bring in e-commerce, digital trade, telecommunications update, energy upgrades, all of these components that, that allow us to maintain a high level of competitiveness and allow us to, to, to us, the buyer, the consumer, to be able to afford the products. Uh, Jerry, one thing I read says that NAFTA was, was hugely successful because it helped the U.S., Canada, and Mexico increase their trade uh, from roughly $290 billion back in 93 to more than $1.1 trillion a couple of years ago. That's a hell of a right. big change. It is, it is, it is. It, and one of the things that many, many Texans do not realize, as I alluded to earlier, there's 28 ports of entry. Uh, Texas has from Bell Paso to Brownsville. But there's five customs districts within the state of Texas. These districts process imports and exports where the duties are collected. And next to the IRS, the biggest generator of, of, of revenue for our country are duties uh, that are collected, customs duties. So uh, you take the five customs districts of a state like Texas, where uh, almost 700, you know, you take almost 700 uh, million dollars of, 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 that, of that component element, uh, really it tells you the value of Texas uh, to the entire United States. 
Uh, and sometimes it's important so, we don't take it for granted. We have to make sure that people understand that when you have uh, 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 Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, and its Alliance Airport and, and everything that's going on at DFW or the Port of Houston or even cities like El Paso at the border, all of these are key component trade centers for not just the United States, but North America, but the entire world. Jerry, thank you for uh, taking the time with us today. This has been uh, a great perspective, and, and, and I guess you can look out your window there right now down at I-35. How many trucks are coming our way uh, if we're in Dallas? Well, I'll tell you what, we've got about, we average about 14,000 trucks here a day, back and forth, 7-7. Seven, seven. You know, we average, you know, trains. Uh, we love the sound of trains. <laughs> we, we, we were, love, we we were love, on hold for you, Jerry, and we heard a train in the background there. <laughs> it's, it's music to our ears, and it's, 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 it's a vibrant economy, and we're very fortunate to be part of that. You know, I, I've been down to Laredo a handful of times for stories, yeah. and it, it is busy. I had no idea, though how busy it is and how much sustained traffic, how much sustained trade there is squeezing through mm. that port, I running know. up Interstate 35 and Interstate 45, uh, you know, all through Texas, Highway 59 through Houston, everywhere else. Now we know why we're pulling our hair out on I-35. 14,000 trucks coming and going per day down there in Laredo. Not to mention the railroads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's on the ground. That's the picture on the ground. And, you know, we were curious about this. Like, what's it like, though, behind the scenes, you know, negotiating this? And you know that, you know, there was a lot of pressure with this because you've got... You know, the president talking about it, tweeting about it, et cetera. So I, I thought, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the woman who negotiated NAFTA, the original NAFTA. Way back when. Yeah, she was working for a, uh, a, a Texan. President George H.W. Bush at the time. And so I, I, I tracked her down and I thought, you know, what are the chances that she's going to come on our humble podcast? Uh, but let me get through her people and see if I can get her. I was blown away. <laughs> she answers her own phone. When you call the main number, she just picks up and you're asking, okay, hi, could I speak with Ambassador Carla Hills? And she's like, who's calling? And you tell her and she goes, okay, go ahead. And I'm like, is she on the line? Uh, It's me. Hello? Ambassador Hills? Yes. Hello, this is Jason Wheeler. Oh, yes. And I am with Jason Whiteley. Hey, Ambassador. Hello there. Ambassador Hills, uh, I'm sure that you're aware of this, that President Trump had uh, famously called NAFTA the worst trade deal ever made. Uh, This is a deal that you worked on personally. Did you take that personally? Not at all. I thought, uh, you know, I I listened to what uh, the president and his predecessors have said, and, uh, you know, that was kind of a political statement. You're looking at this new agreement, the USMCA. Do you miss being the trade representative? You did this the first time around? (laughs) Well, I enjoyed very much working with uh, uh, President Bush. Forty-one. NAFTA was the framework for this one. There's still a lot of NAFTA in this new one. Absolutely, it has. It's, there's a lot of a base. It's kind of like a house that uh, was 25 years old, and you're upgrading it. And so clearly, the foundation is there. We started negotiating the uh, uh, the NAFTA in June of '91. Mm-hmm. Shook hands in August of '92. President Bush Sr. signed it in December of 92. President Clinton got it through Congress in 93. And January 1 of 94, it took effect. Within four months, 
then the 123 members of the GATT negotiation, the Uruguay round, came back to the table and adopted the intellectual property agreement out of the NAFTA, the services, protection of, of investors, and the dispute settlement, which they named the World Trade Organization, or the WTO, and that's really how we got the WTO. Mm-hmm. NAFTA was the template. You know what the political climate is in the United States today. Are you surprised that the Republicans and Democrats could come together on something and, and get this thing moving, get it passed? I think it's terrific that they've come together on something. You know, we've had uh, uh, so few areas where the Republicans and the Democrats have uh, uh, joined hands and said, hooray, let's move forward. And when I was uh, U.S. Trade Representative, uh, we had a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate, and uh, they were my best friends. Uh, We worked together. How about when you sat down with your counterparts from the other two countries? Did that ever get choppy? Yeah, occasionally. But uh, not miserably. <laughs> Ambassador, you, you paused there. Yeah, there was a long pause. There, there's a story in there. Tell, tell us about this. Yes, there is. A th- I want to hear it. Well, uh, when we got together in uh, the summer of 92, we uh, met at this hotel. I'm a Sarab, uh, who was the uh, negotiator for uh, uh, Mexico, and Michael Wilson minister uh, negotiating for Canada. And I can remember that uh, Michael Wilson uh, became upset about something and sort of walked walked out or slammed out of the room. And I mean, Sarah and I looked out the window as he was walking around the uh, hotel's premises. And uh, that led me to call my staff to say, Things are getting a little tight here. Uh, Is there anything I could do to take these two gentlemen, uh, maybe to the theater, just to calm down and to have a uh, a lighter evening? And I said, what's going on at the Kennedy Center? And I got word back saying the Kennedy Center is dark. And I said, what do you take? Uh, you know, two nice fellows that are, uh, we've, we've got to have something that's, uh, that gets, uh, you know, just gets the climate a little calmer. Mm-hmm. And they said, why don't you take him to the baseball game up in uh, Camden Yard? That's a goodie. And I thought, oh, great. Just what I love. <laughs> well, you learned <laughs> to love it that day, didn't you? Did, did you go to the game with him? <laughs> Uh, we, I, yes, I drove up there with Ime Sarah. Um, Michael Wilson came by himself, and we watched the game at about the old third or fourth inning. Uh, Ime said, is it about time that we go back to Washington? And I said, Ime, look at uh, Michael. He's fascinated. I think this is a good deal. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay. And so we get out, and we're walking down the hall, and there's this huge roar of applause and it oh. turned out it was a triple play, oh. and Michael was furious that oh. he missed it. So you made up no ground there. He's just as mad as when he began. Oh, that. no, we made up a ground. I mean, we've been telling that story for years and laughing about so it. So it worked. Oh, yeah, it did work. And we became three of the fastest friends you could ever seen. But if it weren't for baseball, the deal might not have happened, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I just think the fact that we got along and uh, it, it did make a difference. Can you address the whole jobs thing? Because it really depends on who you read. Uh, I, I've seen that, you know, NAFTA cost this country millions of manufacturing jobs. I've seen that NAFTA created millions of better paying jobs in this country. Where is it really? 
there's no question that NAFTA created jobs. The North America is the most competitive region in the world when we work with our southern and our northern neighbors. But that doesn't mean that all the jobs that existed in 1990 still exist. Uh, you know, if you go on the floor of a fa- of a uh, auto factory or an aircraft uh, factory, in the old days, it was so crowded it looked like New York, uh, Christmas time, and Fifth Avenue. <laughs> you go on it today, and that floor has two or three experts who are in long smocks and buffers on their shoes like pharmaceuticals, and they tell you to walk within lines and uh, don't step over the lines. And the robots and are doing very, the work. it's very, very different. We have been deficient, I would, I'm the first to say, in creating a system that upgrades people who were dislodged from their jobs because of the technology and train them for the jobs of that were created and will continue to be created more rapidly because of the change in technology as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas last year was the top exporter of goods in this country. If you look back, if it weren't for NAFTA, where would Texas be today? What we accomplished uh, enabled us to be much more competitive, which was a, a boon to Texas. You know, it, to be so close to your biggest uh, buyers and sellers. I mean, as I say, we uh, do business together. Did you pass along anything personally uh, in the USMCA uh, negotiations to the administration? No, I did not. Is it hard to sit on the sidelines? <laughs> so some days were better than others. Mm. This is in your blood. <laughs> Ambassador Hills, thank you very much for uh, taking the time with us today. I think we are a lot smarter just for having this uh, this time with you. Oh, you're very gracious, and thank uh, thank you. Jason, clearly she would not answer your last question. She just kind of laughed at it multiple times. She you, misses it. You made an effort, man. I think she misses it. She, that says she misses it. It's it's in her blood. And can you imagine how hard? It is, and it, it has been, to get Democrats and Republicans in the United States today to agree on something. They agreed on this. And it's kind of shocking. And uh, from all expectations, we're going to see this thing pushed through very quickly in the beginning of 2020 here. And anybody who's a holdout, I guess they can probably be coaxed along if somebody just takes them to a baseball game. Apparently, that's what works. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I love those behind-the-scenes stories. You, you never get that in the headlines. No. That may appear in a bottom graph somewhere in a New York Times story, but you never hear those things. That's how you seal the deal. You take somebody to baseball. I did not know that. That is fascinating. Seventh inning stretch, it's done. (laughs) We'll be watching to see how the Senate uh, handles this at the first of the year here, and also to see the kind of impact it's going to have. Actually, let me leave you this one little story here. We were taping an Inside Texas Politics broadcast recently. Short story, after we got done, I asked one of our guests, Congressman Van Taylor, who represents the 3rd District, which is Collin County, uh, in North Texas. I said, hey, how's this new trade deal, this USMCA, going to impact us? Yeah. He said it's going to have a huge impact. I'm thinking, what, on farmers? He said, no, 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 on Toyota and on these big corporations. You know, mm. Toyota moved their North American headquarters from, what, Torrance, California to Collin County. They've also got that big presence in San Antonio. They yeah. have that, that plant down there as well, too. 
Toyota, apparently, because of this new trade deal, is going to invest more than a billion dollars, according to the Congressman Taylor, uh, here because there's a new threshold that got raised. More auto parts have to be manufactured in Mexico, Canada, or the United States than previously. Mm-hmm. So Toyota's going to bring that manufacturing back on shore here. Hmm. I said, well, why don't they just send it to Mexico? He said, well, they won't send it there probably because the wages in Mexico as part of this new deal are higher than they have been. So Congressman Taylor said most likely that manufacturing is coming back to the U.S. That's a billion-dollar investment from one company. And again, that uh, that counters, you know, the the arguments on the other side that this costs jobs in the United States. So, you know, we'll yeah. keep track of it, see how it goes. But uh, that is it for 2019, the inaugural year of Yolitics. Thank you uh, to everybody who has downloaded this and given us a try. Uh, and please tell your friends and family to do the same because next year a week from now we're thick in the thick of 2020 and boy it's going to get crazy busy and let's raise a glass to 2019 and to 2020 cheers my friend and we will see you guys next year i'm going out with a cranberry ginger shandy lining google take care